Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Continuing our run through of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Right now we're up to the Season 6 wrap-up video, which is a little bit late, but here I am. Sick, I apologize for my voice. But uh, this is going to be a weird podcast. It's probably better if you listen to this as an MP3 that you go to the YouTube channel, because I'm going to be going through some of these uh, Google Sheets and stuff like that. So for all you stats nerds, it's not even really stats, but if people who like looking at colorful uh, spreadsheets on the internet... This is the way to do it on YouTube. Um, it's probably going to be a better watch slash listen than it would be just to listen to the MP3. Although the MP3 will be out there if you want to do it that way. If you insist, if you're like, fuck Google, fuck YouTube. All right, so let's get into this, I guess. So we're going to be going through uh, my general thoughts about season six of DS9. You heard Clay's last week. He gave us sort of quick and dirty thoughts about what he um, thought about the season, what he felt. I'll be going through a little bit more of a granular take on this. Um, I had a chat with some of the Captain Tiers, uh, Captain Tier patrons on Patreon. Uh, we had a Discord chat hangout one of the past weekends and came up with a couple of awards, bounced some ideas off them, and I think I've settled up where I think that I belong. So let's go over here. I'm going to click on this. There we go. So this is season six where we ended up. We ended up with a 3.2 for an average score across all the episodes, which is actually worse than Season 4 and Season 5 of DS9, interestingly. I came, to, I came into this thinking that Season 6 was going to be a contender for the top, and it kind of is, but it's a really weird season, isn't it? I think um, it's a really strange one, and in the Discord chat, people were saying that they kind of prefer Season 7 in a lot of ways to Season 6, and I think that Season 6 basically suffers from extreme inconsistency, where it has incredible highs and has incredible lows at the same time. And it doesn't have a lot of middle ground. Um, you can see here that there's a lot of the greens and the reds, which do that. The ending over here was pretty rough. There's a pretty horrible stretch to end the season. But it's got a lot of fives mixed in. It's got more fives than any other season of Star Trek that we've done so far. So its highs are really good. And I dug a little bit uh, deeper into this to try to figure it out. And I think what I came up with, I'll scroll over here. Is this going to scroll? There we go. So this is the episodes of the season split out. I split them out into a curated episode list and an episodes that I would cut. This is the, I just went through uh, independent of their scores here, and I kind of created a list of episodes that I would watch if I was to curate the season and say, which ones would you cut? So it's the opening six arc, the uh, cordially invited with the Worf and Dax relationship, statistical probabilities, waltz, far beyond the stars, change of heart, wrong stark than death or night, which could probably go over into this cut episode if you really wanted to whittle it down to the bare bones, Inquisition, Pale Moonlight, Reckoning, and Tears of the Prophets. So I think if you were watching the series, that would be the list of episodes that you'd watch um, and you'd skip the rest. So you get the general sense of the war storyline, you get the sense of the occupation arc, you get the sense of what the sixth season is totally about. And it ends up here. Uh, and the difference here is that these are all the good episodes, and these turn out to be the terrible ones. The filler ones, the filler episodes are really bad. Resurrection, Magnificent Ferengi, Who Mourns for Morn, One Little Ship, Honor Among Thieves, His Way, Prophet and Lace, Time's Orphan, Valiant, Sound of Her Voice. And I could, as I said earlier, you could probably move Wrongs, Dark and Death or Night over here, which so would be Valiants and Wrongs, which would be the two good episodes. But still pretty awful. The only bad ones for the curated list are The Reckoning and Tears of the Prophets, which is towards the end of the season. And I also think that watching Tears of the Prophets right after The Reckoning actually improves Tears of the Prophets uh, quite a bit. So I would like to curate them and watch them in that order, even if they are bad back-to-back. -back. But I think that's the takeaway. The, I think season six of DS9, they had this opening six-episode arc 
and they didn't really know what to do after that. They had a couple ideas um, put in after that, like wall uh, statistical probabilities, change of heart, Inquisition, Pale Moonlight. They obviously worked out well, and they fit into the war storyline, and they felt like they were a piece of what the season was talking about, which um, I would agree with listener CL or Seal, C-I-E-L, who commented on YouTube. I don't have it available right now, but to paraphrase, basically just saying that um, this is the season where they're, if season four is the season where the characters lose things, season six is where their um, ideas are tested the most. And the war is basically the driver of that point, where a lot of the episodes focus on what characters are doing in the context of this war. This is the opening arc, the six-episode arc, which kind of does all of that, explains uh, everything there, Kira working with the Cardassians and the Dominion, everyone else in Starfleet being pushed to the brink. Then you've got statistical probabilities, where Bashir's sort of uh, ethics are questioned. You've got Waltz, you've got Far Beyond the Stars, you've got Inquisition, you know, everyone's testing the Federation values at that point, Pale Moonlight, Cisco's getting tested. So... It's a season about pushing the characters into a new direction and seeing how they come out when they're faced with some of their worst-case scenarios. And the episodes that are cut don't deal with that. A lot of them are really light-hearted, goofy filler. Like, the Ferengi episodes are just going to be over here because they're Ferengi episodes and they're horrible. Every single season would probably be a skip-the-Ferengi thing. But the other ones are Resurrection which was a Mirror Universe episode that seems to have absolutely no point whatsoever. And so it exists over there is where Beryl comes back from the Mirror Universe. Seems to have no conflict whatsoever and just kind of walks around on the station. That's what I remember of that episode. You've got Who Mourns for Morn, lighthearted comedy kind of episode. One Little Ship, which is tangential to the Dominion, but it brings up the, uh, the Jem'Hadar, Alpha, and Gamma thing, which doesn't really amount to anything. And otherwise, it's just kind of a goofy one-off, uh, shrink the ship and see what happens episode. Honor Among Thieves, O'Brien is gone undercover. Doesn't really have anything to do with the Dominion War. The Dominion are in it, but it doesn't really have anything to do with them. And it's not a very good episode. His Way, you got Vic Fontaine. As much as you like Vic Fontaine, it doesn't really have anything to do uh, with this. I, I guess you could put that into the curated if you wanted to see Odo and Kira get together, uh, if you thought that was important. I guess I could move that over. Profit and Lace, terrible. Time's Orphan, standalone, terrible sci-fi episode. Valiant, very good. Sound of her voice, could have been better. Had some problems. We talked about that. So I think that that's really the problem with the sixth season is that it doesn't have this consistency where the you really feel like the writing staff is very excited to talk about the war and the episodes that have to deal with that. And they don't really want to do these other episodes. And the other episodes are these filler episodes. And there's a lot of them. There's a 10 or something that I'm counting right there. And it just really comes through as this very up and down season where you're watching it and there's great episodes and then sprinkled in between them are these terrible filler episodes that you wonder if the show is actually losing its way or what they're, um, what they're trying to do and what they thought the goal of the season was. And I think that the, the goal of the season should have been to have DS9 be occupied the entire arc. I think like the entire stretch of 26 episodes should have been an occupied DS9 by the Dominion, I think. And maybe that would have provided uh, more interesting stories that they could have gone down. I don't know if maybe because you're going to 26 episodes that that's too much and therefore it wouldn't work out as well that they couldn't possibly stretch that arc for that long without being redundant or uninteresting. However, the opening six episodes are so good that it makes you wonder what could have been. Instead, we get these filler episodes here. And we'll see what season seven does in terms of that. Um, I remember season seven have outside of the the ending ten episode arc. It has a lot of it, season seven has a lot of work to do. So it feels like the episodes have a little bit more of a point because they know that they're wrapping up at, uh, at the end there. And so 
characters feel like they don't have as much time to waste in the episodes. They don't have these uh, filler episodes that can just kind of like kill a week because they have a lot to do in the final 26 episodes. And that's it. So let's see here. If we go through here, the opening six, all the way down here, I'll scroll down. My best and the worst. My five best are Waltz from five to one. Waltz, Wrongs, Dark and the Death or Night, Far Beyond the Stars, and The Pale Moonlight, and then Rocks and Shoals. Five worst, Honor Among Thieves, Prophet and Lace, Time's Orphan, The Reckoning, and Resurrection is the worst episode of the season, I think. Um, I think that the uh, the highs are kind of self-explanatory. Wrongs, Dark and the Death or Night is maybe the only one that people are like, why is that on there? But I think it's a really fantastic episode. The other ones are pretty standard. Uh, Waltz, Far Beyond the Stars, and The Pale Moonlight, and Rocks and Shoals. Uh, the worst, Resurrection, is by far the worst, I think, because the Resurrection has no point to exist. It doesn't do anything. The Reckoning would be, after that, uh, horrible Bajoran stuff. Time's Orphan is another terrible episode. Prophet and Lace, which I think is actually overhated in a lot of ways because it strikes me as a generic Ferengi episode that um, has the dated hallmarks of, you know, they, they, were, they were trying to do that sort of, as we talked about in the podcast, they were trying to do that dated uh sexual politics comedy that Bear seems to like. He likes, to, not that he likes that comedy, but he likes he likes his classic cinema tropes like that. And it feels like that's what they were doing. And, you know, it's, the, the argument that it's offensive is one thing. Uh, offensive, I guess, comes down to the person. And I think it's too corny to, to be offensive. Like, there's no, if you're intent, you're, you kind of have to have intent to be offensive, and there's no intent there. It's just kind of like this like horrible misfire of an idea. It's not th- that they set out to um, upset the apple cart or say that like to put any kind of like political view on it. It's really just a failure of concept and execution. And I think that it strikes me as just a generic Ferengi episode. I don't think that it's much worse or much better than any of the other Ferengi episodes. I would skip all of them. Um, and I think that the the episodes after that, which should just be Honor Among Thieves, is just generic and kind of bad and not very interesting. And O'Brien doesn't really have much to do in there. It's not Colmini's finest hour. It just feels like a very filler episode. So those are my five worst and I think that it pretty much falls down those lines of the season. The way I'll remember it is, this is definitely the season that you would want to curate, I think. Uh, there's no way that you would, if you were trying to get through this season as quickly as possible, that you would feel inclined to watch all of this, particularly at the end when it starts to really fall apart. And some of the worst episodes, which are like Time's Orphan and Prophet and Lace are at the very end, you'd skip all that and you would just go with a curated watch. And I think that this season, more than any of the other ones, like season four, season five, this one benefits from trimming the fat in a lot of ways. And I could see doing a curated watch uh, with this season in particular. So that's it for those. Is there anything here? I guess we, we can talk about the IMDb score. So I ranked over here on this side, the left side. Uh, the, the episodes are ranked by the IMDb score. And Pale Moonlight is at the top of the 9.5. Resurrections at the bottom with a 5.8. I'm interested that I, uh, we, I actually line up with the IMDb here, thinking that Resurre- Resurrection is the worst, and Profit and Laces actually scores better than it on IMDb by the slightest of margins. IMDb is always a little bit screwy because it never takes advantage of the 10-point scale. Like, it, it goes down to 5 and then it peaks out of 10, so it's basically a 1 to 5, and there's no real... You you want more of a... You want more of a, like, a gradient between these things, I think, but it never works out that way. Uh, if you're a 5 on IMDb, you're terrible, 
even though it's a completely average score. It's right in the middle. Uh, so, you know, it's that kind of silliness. Pale Moonlight's at the top. The only standouts, the thing that I did this is just to see where our opinion uh, changed most drastically. So we have a lot of the greens at the top. Tears of the Prophets, which we, me and Clay both gave a two, is actually our standout for uh, disagreement with the IMDb crowd at the, in terms of being uh, what they consider to be a top episode and we consider it to not be. The middling is kind of middling, whatever. Uh, this is all very middling right here. And then at the bottom, the ones that we have that stuck out are Valiance and Wrong Stark and Death or Night, which IMDb considers those to be in the top five, the worst five episodes of the season, Valiant and Wrong Stark and Death or Night, which is nuts, which, which is not true. Um, I, I don't know how else to say that. Like, then those are the only two that really stick out there. So our uh, perspective on those two and our perspective on Tears of the Prophets are the greatest outliers in terms of IMDb and the general internet white male heterosexual voting crowd that votes on IMDb. That's it. Cool. So we can go back here. We have some awards, I guess. Let me go back to the, the big camera. There we go. Boom. So we have some awards to give out. Uh, the worst special effects of the season. I think I'm going to give it to the Reckoning battle, which might not have even been uh, the worst special effects, but it certainly felt like the worst Star Trek special effects that you can have uh, in an episode. It just really highlights how stupid that concept was, how bad the execution of what they wanted, where the original script was, we're going to be running around the station throwing fireballs at each other. And instead to just change, we're going to stand at one part of the station and shoot fireballs at each other out of our stomachs. Um, so yeah, the worst FX goes to the reckoning in the battle. The best guest star. It's a good season for guest stars, I think. But uh, the one that sticks out to me is whoever plays Keevan in Rocks and Shoals. I think he's my second favorite Vorta of all time after Wayun. And Keevan, if they had actually kept him in the um, in that kind of uh, characterization and they didn't change him for the Magnificent Ferengi where they made him kind of a joke, if they had kept him, uh, his characterization intact and he had been in a couple episodes, I think there's an argument that Keevan is actually a superior Vorta to Wayun which is maybe heresy to say, but I really like him. I think that he is the villain that Rocks and Shoals needs. It's the perfect acting um, way to play that sort of slimy bureaucrat Vorda who's only out for himself and doesn't care about the soldiers of the Jem'Hadar uh, and is plotting behind their back to so that he will come out on top no matter what happens. He's going to save himself even if it risks uh, the rest of his men, and as it does there, it does more than risk, but it actually kills them. So I think he's the perfect encapsulation of what they were trying to do with the Vorta, which is to make this bureaucratic middleman race that does the administration for the founders. And through Rocks and Shoals, it does a little bit of a military uh, commentary on the soldiers who actually go out and fight and risk their lives being told what to do by bureaucrats uh, who don't have any skin in the game. And so I think that his acting in that, I don't know the actor's name, apologies, but I think that he's really fantastic. I think that he's slimy enough to really capture that, and you don't like him uh, at all by the end of it. Cisco certainly doesn't like him, and I think it's a really good turn in one of the best episodes of the season. The best idea poorly executed. There was some uh, debate in the Discord about whether or not what this should be. I think that the the runner-up for me is the reckoning. The argument there is that... Uh, the prophet storyline is better than uh, what that execution was and that, like, if you had done that episode better, the reckoning better, you would end up with a storyline that actually feels uh, improved. 
just by the the sense of that you're improving this religious storyline, therefore the episodes and the plots and the arc that goes along with it would have to improve. Um, I guess I kind of disagree at this point. I think that the the reckoning and the prophet stuff is so weak and so flimsy that I don't know if that one episode changing anything would really amount to much. I think that Rapture is still the best Bajoran arc episode, but I think that the reckoning is so awful that it's not a good idea badly executed. It's kind of a middling idea that they terribly executed. It's no it's no better or worse than any of the rest of the Bajoran arc. Uh, so I'm going to go with the sound of her voice because I thought that the sound of her voice was a really good idea that was not well executed because the rest of the season didn't build to it properly because of all the filler episodes they have to get through. So when you have to plow through Prophet and Lace, Time's Orphan, and The Reckoning to get to the sound of her voice, you've kind of forgotten why these characters would be sad about anything in the first place. You feel sad about yourself as a viewer that you've watched so much terrible Star Trek in a row. But the the execution there, or the idea that the crew are coming to terms with what they've gone through this season is a good idea, and to have this therapist of a voice that they never meet, and them putting their, uh, having a relationship with this woman because she opens their eyes to everything that they've gone through, that's a good idea. It's just poorly executed in the fact that it came after all these filler episodes, and the episode itself is not particularly great. It, it's just not uh, firing on all cylinders. So I'm going to go with the sound of her voice as the best idea poorly executed. The most surprising episode. I'll give you two seconds to guess. It's actually Wrongs, Darker Than Death or Night. I think uh, my runner-up would be Statistical Probabilities. Both of those are the surprising ones, but I think that Wrongs is a better episode over Statistical, so um, I'm going to go with that as the winner. Uh, Both of them are uh, episodes that kind of fit into the theme of the season, although you could say that they're arguably able to be cut. I think that uh, Statistical actually fits into the theme better, but Wrongs is just such a good time travel episode, ignoring the time orb. And um, it's such a good Kira episode. It's a good Dukat episode, I think, in a lot of ways. It's a great way to, even this late in the run, to kind of finalize and put a stamp on what the Bajoran occupation actually looked like and to have an introduction to Kira's family and to have Kira's um, whole perspective on the war and her family's relationship to it be changed by learning what she learns about her mother. And you walk away from it not really knowing what's up and what's down. And I think that that's really the hallmark of what this series was trying to do. And I think that for something like the occupation, the Bajoran occupation, it's probably the best episode that deals with that, I think, because it shows Kira learns a lot. It continues Kira down this path of like learning about her past and, you know, what she thought as the very black and white terrorist uh, has been changed a little bit by the more information that she learns about it. So Wrongs, Dark and the Death or Night is the most surprising to me. MVP writer. We've got two options here because it looks like two writing teams at least wrote the majority of the episodes. Uh, Ron Moore, and then I think the contender for that is Ira Bear and Hans Beemler. So Ron Moore wrote Rocks, Cordially Invited, Waltz, Change of Heart, Valiant, Sound of Her Voice. Ira Stephen Bear and Hans Beemler wrote uh, Time to Stand, Favor the Bold, Sacrifice of Angels, Magnificent Ferengi, Far Beyond the Stars, Wrongs Dark and the Death of Night, His Way, Prophet and Lace, and Tears of the Prophets. Ira, uh, Ira Bear and Hans Beemler have a lot of great episodes, but they also have terrible episodes. So they have Magnificent Ferengi, uh, His Way, Prophet and Lace, which are not some of those are middling. Prophet and Lace is pretty bad. Uh, Ron Moore, I think, is the winner here just because he's more consistent with Rocks and Shoals, Cordially Invited, Waltz, Change of Heart, Valiance, and Sound of Her Voice. The worst episode there, I think, is Sound of Her Voice, which isn't all that bad either. 
So I think he gets the MVP award just because of the fact that Ira Bear and Hans Bimor had a couple of stinkers mixed in. Um, on the least valuable writing team, I'll list the episodes. Sons and Daughters, which is the weakest episode of the Occupation arc. One Little Ship. Inquisition, which is pretty good. The Reckoning, which is terrible. And Time's Orphan, which is terrible. So it's Thompson and Weddle wrote all of those episodes. They got one good one, I think. One that I would say is worth watching, which is Inquisition. So they are the winners with... Four out of the five episodes that they wrote this season kind of being stinkers. So, interesting. Run more. Iris Stephen Bear and Hans Beamler writing a, a good portion of the episodes. They wrote a lot. A lot of episodes. Uh, who won the season? I think if you were going to be cute... My cute pick for who won the season is Bashir, actually. Because he had Inquisition... And he had uh, statistical probabilities, which I think are two of the more interesting um, war storylines. I think that he is the character who has changed the most at this point, too. He's kind of down in the dumps all the time, which is really interesting. And he's he's dour, and he feels like he's become a different person than he was at the start of the show. And I feel that his change is the most drastic and in a good way. I think that Odo has also changed, but I feel that Odo is a little bit more wonky in his characterization at this point. And particularly because the Kira and Odo relationship doesn't really work for me on a lot of uh, levels at this point. So Bashir, even though he doesn't have a tremendous amount of episodes or a tremendous amount of focus in the season, I think actually would win just on a batting average kind of uh, stance. I think I have to go more realistically with Cisco. Though, I think Cisco has a lot of great episodes. He's prominent in the arc that opens it. He's got it in the pale moonlight. He's got Waltz that he plays off of Marco Lemo quite well. Um, and I think that even though he kind of falls apart with the religious stuff at the end, which is where he is stuck as a character, I still think it's Cisco's season. It always feels like a boring pick to pick the captain because it feels like he's the de facto main character, even if it is an ensemble uh, piece. I'll go with Cisco, though, slightly over Bashir. Bashir's my dark horse. If I wanted to make a uh, a clickbaity sort of YouTube video, I'd argue that Bashir actually won the season. But uh, we'll go with Cisco for this point. Who lost? Kira, Odo, and O'Brien. Those are the three, I think, that sort of, uh, besides Dax, who lost her life at the very end. But those are the three uh, that stick out to me. Kira, Odo, and O'Brien. Kira and Odo kind of torpedo each other. Uh, Kira has wrong Stark in the Death of Night, which is a fantastic episode, and she has some really good scenes earlier than that, and things like Waltz and uh, all of her stuff in the Occupation arc is really good. So I think that I can't give it to Kira, because she has a lot of good going into it, uh, and it's really just the Odo thing that torpedoes her at the end, because she becomes secondary to him. Uh, once they start dating, she loses a lot of her agency, and just kind of shows up on date night for Odo. And it's you see Odo saying, me and Kira are going to do this later, and then Kira shows up and she goes off with Odo. She loses a lot of what makes her really stand out as a character, I think, when she is put into those relationships, and we've talked about that before. Odo is a strong contender for the least uh, valuable, or who lost the season, because I feel like Odo was kind of sidelined a lot of this here. He he has that strange arc in the Occupation arc where he goes with the female changeling and then reverts after that. We always thought that that was kind of a weak turn. And then him and Kira sorted out in that bathroom scene at Dax's party, uh, which they never really dealt with effectively. And then he moves into his later stuff where he's just in a relationship with Kira and he doesn't have a lot to do after that. And he feels very backgrounded, which is unfortunate because I like the character so much. But him and Kiro uh, together so, sort of um, work against each other, and the plot line of them being together is just not as interesting. However, I think I have to give it to O'Brien, who has 
Honor Among Thieves, and then Time's Orphan as <laughs> his two episodes that focus on the uh, the mindset of O'Brien. He continues to be a, a sort of laughable character, and the O'Briens are a laughable family. And I think that I'm, I think I'm being convinced that O'Brien peaked in the wounded from TNG. We talked about this in the Discord. I think it's just been downhill from there for him, which is too bad because I like the performance generally, but he doesn't, he works as a secondary character that pairs off with people, but for whatever reason, he kind of has the Beverly Crusher thing from TNG where he, he gets thrown these random storylines that don't feel like they really fit into his character, but it feels like they, they need to give O'Brien something to do and they don't have a grasp on him well enough where they can give him a consistent sort of like, this is an O'Brien kind of story. They give him the O'Brien must suffer, but it doesn't feel like he ever breaks out of that and fits into an, oh, this is an O'Brien episode. It just feels like the bad things are happening to O'Brien. And Crusher was kind of the same way in TNG, where she had a, a weird collection of hobbies eventually at the end of the series because the writers gave her different things to do every episode because if there was an episode that they didn't know who to put into it, put Crusher into it. We haven't had a while uh, an episode in a while with Crusher. Give her this one, and she ends up with a random collection. And O'Brien and the O'Briens, I think, continue to be some of the worst parts of... The O'Briens are the worst part of DS9, uh, one of the worst parts, in my opinion. And they never really seem to know what to do with them. And it's too bad, because you think there would be a lot of... They know how to write families. They can write Jake well. They just can't write the O'Briens, for whatever reason. And it's too bad. And O'Brien gets saddled with a horrible sci-fi plot, and then a undercover cop episode that isn't great, doesn't really amount to anything. I don't think gives O'Brien a chance to really stretch or do any kind of work out of it. You don't learn much about O'Brien, in my opinion, through that episode. So that's it. O'Brien lost the season, which is too bad. Dex may have lost her life, but O'Brien lost the season. So that's it. I think that's it. Uh, just general wrap-up thoughts there. I, was a little, I came away a little bit disappointed with season six, I think. Uh, it has really great highs, but the lows are really... The lows are what stick with you, I think, more than anything. And I'm surprised by how handily season four beat it uh, in terms of like my averages here, the numbers that we're looking at. But I think that season four is still the better accomplishment because of how consistent those 26 episodes are. Uh, it's like a season of fours, basically. And that's really impressive to me. And even if there are more great episodes in season six the badness in the middling episodes so water them down that I think it really leads you with this negative taste in your mouth after you've watched it. Where season four was more of like, wow, this is just consistently being good. And they've been good for so long here and they've got a lot to work with. It was a great wharf season. They had uh, shaken up the Klingon relationship with the Federation. So there's a lot to explore in that. And season six had that in the Dominion War and the episodes that deal with it in the Dominion War are really good. But the other stuff isn't. And so it's really disappointing I guess. And it's a, it's a strange thing to have so many highs and so many lows combine into what ultimately feels like a little bit of a disappointment. But I think that that's what I would value out of this at this point. I would want consistency over the the, uh, the five or six great episodes that came out of this season, even if they are undeniably great. So that's it. We're going to be moving into season seven. Thank you very much for listening, guys. If you want to support the channel, patreon.com slash the Penske Files, the best way to do that. I will say that... Um, we have a new goal up there on the Patreon. Uh, it has to deal with the Voyager coverage. So if we reach X amount of dollars before we start Voyager, which is not guaranteed to be the next series that we cover, we'll do a full Voyager rewatch. And this is based on the feedback that we got from that survey. Uh, if we don't reach that, when we do Voyager, it will be a curated watch through. 
because we're getting a lot of mixed feedback about people saying you have to do a full Voyager rewatch. And then a lot of people saying, if you do a full Voyager rewatch, I will either stop listening or the podcast will just suffer for it. And I understand both of those perspectives. Um, it's certainly not in the cards that we're going to be doing Voyager right away. Uh, we'll probably do one series in between that, be it Picard, the Kelvin movies, or the Kelvin movies in something like Enterprise, if that were to pop up, because Enterprise is short and can't get through it quickly. Um, but Voyager, that's the, that's the thing. If, if Voyager gets to that goal on Patreon, we'll do a full watch. Uh, that'll basically be worth our time, I think. That's the best way and the most fair, I think, to do it. If you guys value Voyager coverage, the Patreon is the best way to show that you value it. Um, if you don't, We'll be doing a fine little eight episodes or something, a season coverage of Voyager, a curated watch to get uh, a taste of Voyager without having to go all the way into the pool. And uh, the patrons will likely vote on which eight episodes that we watch. So that's it. If you're interested in watching a full rewatch of Voyager, patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you're not, no hard feelings. Totally understandable. We'll do a curated thing at some point. Otherwise, all the social media is down below. You can click on the links, Twitter, Facebook, Discord. You can join the conversation at Discord. I'll be doing more of the Discord hangout-type chat things, I think, because it went well. It's a good way to touch base with uh, the listeners. You have to be a Captain Tier supporter on Patreon to do that. But if you are a Captain Tier supporter or if you're interested in hanging out on Discord, that's the best way to do it. Um, we'll be doing more trivia nights with those guys and things like that uh, when I get free time. And I think that's it. Any other things, feedback, there's email down below. You can email us. You can reach us on Twitter. Facebook, all that stuff. Leave a comment on YouTube. Thank you very much for listening, guys. We're done with Season 6. Let me know what you thought about Season 6. Let me know what you think about Season 7 going into it. No spoilers. Just give us a general sense of whether or not you like Season 7 over Season 6. And I think we'll call it a day there. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. And we'll see you next time when Season 7 picks up with, what is it? Images in the Sand and Shadows and Symbols. I think this is the first two. We're going to be doing the opening two-parter as one episode. Thanks very much. See ya.